So we're gonna try this again. Good morning, gentlemen. Take number two. In case you made a good morning the first time. So again, very briefly, we're gonna be learning about the golden altar that was on the inside of the uh, Mishkan, inside the actual structure of the Mishkan, which was used for the um, burning of the incense. Really, this should have been in last week's parasha. We'll discuss that at the end. We'll go back to why the Ktoras is only mentioned over here at the end of Tetzav and not with the building of all the other vessels that was described earlier in the parasha of Truma. But first, let's understand what did the golden altar look like? Yes. So the Torah tells us, God tells Moshe, you should make an altar for burning incense, the Ktoras, Atzeshitin, made out of acacia wood. It should be one square ama. So one cubit wide, one cubit long, by two amas, by two cubits high. So here we know that the outer altar also had to be the height is exactly double the square width and length of the uh, mishkan, of the golden altar. So it's not so high. Two amas, we're talking about like, you know, three feet. It's like a little, like almost like this, like a little podium like this. So ama by an ama, um, totally covered with gold, overlaid with gold all around with four horns, four protrusions on the four corners. Also, the gold rim, just like the table and the uh, altar, the, not the altar, the, the, the uh, shulchan and the aron had a gold crown around it. So too, on the top of the golden altar, there was a gold crown, a rim all around it. The gold crown of the altar represented the, the crown of kahuna, we know there's three crowns, right? The crown of Torah, the crown of kingdom, the crown of, of priesthood. So this altar, this crown of this altar presents the crown of the priests. And then there was two rings on each of the two sides on which they put in poles on which they would carry the, the, uh, the Mizbeach. And they were placed, and this, where was the Aaron placed? It was placed out the Mizbeach. Where was the Mizbeach placed? It was placed right in the very middle of the Mishkan. So here's our first clue to the special importance of the golden altar over any other vessel. If you entered into the Mishkan, okay, so let's go back to our memory from last week. If you entered into the Mishkan, which way are you facing? You're facing west, right? You're walking on the east side of the building, facing west, because the Shekhin is in the west. So if you enter the courtyard, the courtyard was 100 Amos long, and the actual building of the Mishkan started exactly halfway meaning at the 50 Amma mark is where the Mishkan started. If you entered into the Kodesh, how big was the actual building of the Kodesh, the actual room of the main sanctuary? 20 Amas, very good. <laughs> it was 30, 10 was the Holy of Holies, and 20 is the Holy. So the Mizbeach was at the exact middle of that 20 Amos, at the 10 Amma mark, it started at the 10 Amma mark, and then went one Amma in, exactly in the middle, five Amos on each side. So it's 10 Amos, by 20 Amos, just like the Mishkan itself started at the halfway point in the very center of the courtyard, the inner golden altar started exactly at the halfway point in the center, exactly in the very, very middle of the Mishkan. And then on the right side, but further back into the side, it was the menorah. Further back into the left is the table with the, uh, with the showbread, but the Mizbech is in the very middle. That's the center which if you're familiar with Kabbalah, you know there's the right side, the left side, and then what's the middle, which is Dat, which is rooted, Chachmabina or Chesegur and Teferet. And where do they root from? Keta, which is the crown, which is higher than the right side or the left side of the Sfirot, 
you're familiar with that, you'll understand what I said. If not, not. Anyway, um, what would Aaron do with his golden altar? Says the Torah. Every single morning, baboker, baboker. It says the word twice, it means every morning. And when Aaron will come into the actual building of the Mishkan to clean out the wicks and the, whatever was left over in the menorah from having burnt all night, at the time that he would clean out the menorah, he would light the incense, or not light, but he would burn the incense. So the fragrance of the incense was done at the time of the cleaning of the menorah in the morning. And again, in the afternoon, every afternoon, when he would go in to light the menorah in, before the evening, again, he would burn the incense on the Mizbeach. Ktores tamid lefnei Hashem adoraseichem, a constant Ktores, a constant burning of the fragrance of incense before Hashem wasn't constant. It was in the morning and in the evening. But since it was done every single day, twice a day, therefore it's called, just like the daily offering, the carbon tamid, it's considered a constant, free, pleasing fragrance before Hashem. Says the Torah, nothing else should be offered on this Mizbeach. No uh, animals were offered there. No, uh, not, you know, all the other offerings that were done in the Mizbeach, in the, in the temple, were all done on the large copper altar that was outside in the courtyard. The only thing that went on this Mizbeach, on this altar, was the morning and evening incense that was offered to Hashem, with one exception. What's the one exception? No. The one exception is the blood of Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, when the Kohen Gadol, see, on Yom Kippur, many exceptions. On Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol will bring the incense not unto the golden altar, but to the Holy Holies. On that day, in addition to bringing the incense to the Holy Holies, he would also sprinkle blood from his personal bull, that was his own personal sin offering, and from one of the two goats. Remember, there's a lottery. One goat was sent off the cliff, and one was a, the uh, goat offering, was a sin offering for the Jewish people. He would go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood of each one of these two offerings, and after that, he would then put on the all on the on the on the paroches, and after that, he would then put it on the four corners of the golden altar. He would put the blood of these two offerings. That was the only time a whole year that any blood was put onto this altar was on Yom Kippur, and that was it. Why would it normally never be used for any other purpose besides for incense? Says the Torah. Once a year, um, uh, on Achas Bashana, here you have the source that the Yom Kippur is called Achas Bashana. Once in the year, you put from the blood of the sin offerings, but otherwise you should never do anything because Kodesh Kadashim Hu Hashem. This golden altar is a holy of holies unto God, meaning its holiness is much, much greater than that of the outer altar, and therefore the outer altar is used for all of the other offerings. This is holy, it's only used for the incense. Now, a few very beautiful things about the golden altar. First of all, we had a discussion a few days ago. Someone mentioned it. I kind of let it slide then. How is it possible to burn incense on the golden altar? Just think about it for a second. Gold melts, right? So if you have an altar, it's made out of wood, covered in gold, and we're going to burn incense on there. It's not a very smart idea. not charcoal. Actually, they broke into the... There was coals. There was not uh, like flaming coals. Was like, uh... but it's still heat. It's still heat. And by the way, I should say one thing. I should say one thing. I should have said this, but I just didn't think about. 
How do they burn the incense? I just explained the procedure. How do they burn the incense? Do you know? No, you're, you're talking about the Yom Kippur. He would take, yeah, he would bring firewood or, or coals from the outer altar. On the outer altar, there was different piles for different purposes. One of them was a was the broadcast burning fire, etc., and all that. The Kohen God would take existing fire from the altar, the outside. He will bring that fire inside, and then he will put the incense on top of the fire on top of the altar. So you're putting, I don't know if it's actually flaming, it was just red hot, but it was hot enough that it would burn incense. So it's hot enough to burn incense, it's hot enough to melt gold, especially if you do it every single day, every morning, every afternoon, you're putting, you're taking right out of the flames, right out of the fire, on the outer altar, you're taking out firewood from one of the piles that was reserved for this purpose, and now you're putting from that firewood onto the golden altar. Yeah? Can you say something? No. No, I mean, I, I thought when they were burning incense, it's like today, there's got to be like a little vessel for it, you know, for the incense to burn. I mean, they're not going to just put leaves on top of gold. wasn't leaves. wasn't leaves. It was 11 different spices mixed together into a, uh, into a mixture of... It was a ground-up mixture. It was more like if you take, like, take a tea bag, right? It's like it's a ground-up mixture inside. Yeah, right. But, but, okay. I understand, but it's not leaves. It was all ground up. Right. It was right. all ground up. Eleven different well, different spices, and it wasn't all leaves. Some of it was the musk, which from the uh, mush was from uh, the according to different opinions from the uh, what's the face the glands of, of a deer or of a of a of a, of a, of a uh, Indian kind of a turkey was from an animal. Some of it was from a root. Chalbanas oh, yeah. is is not a leaf. Galbanum well, is a root. I said it wasn't leaves, it was just whatever. It was ground up different stuff. It wasn't only leaves. And how hot how hot is fire out of a fire? How far does it transport? It's not like transportation, like you're waiting at the port for uh, customs. You're going like 15 feet, you know, say. Yeah. But where was that place? It had to be like a vessel. No, it's put on the golden altar. How does the altar look? Just the table? There's a table. It looked like this podium. It was a flat top. It does not say anywhere here to make any vessels for the golden altar. By the outer altar, by the menorah, by the table, any vessels that were made to use in the service of that vessel are described together with the construction of the vessel. So therefore, I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that there was no vessels that were used in the in the making of the golden altar. Uh, and in fact, in the outer altar, when we learned about the making of the Mizbeach that was outside in the courtyard, there they're talking about the different vessels that were made. It clearly said that there was a tongs that were used for transporting the uh, ashes. If we go back and find it. So anyway, we're getting a little distracted here. The point is, it's a beautiful Gemara that I actually looked up last night. So the Gemara says in Erevin that uh, Reish Lakish says, talking about sinners of the Jewish people, how you have sinners joined together in prayer, etc. The sinners, that's where the famous statement is that the, even the sinners of Israel are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. So Reish Lakish says that the fires of hell have no power over the transgressors of Israel. What's his proof? The fires of hell, because there's two different verses. There's one verse about the people that repent, or those Jews and non-Jews. 
if the golden altar, a witch was just a layer of gold over wood, and was only the thickness, how thick was the uh, was the gold? The thickness of a dinner coin. A coin. How thick was it? And yet, you know how many years it lasted for? 889 years they had this since they asked. From when it was built till the temple was destroyed. And yet for 889 years, the fire had no power over it. Didn't get ruined from the fire for 889 years. How much more would that be true of the transgressors of Israel who are as full of good deeds as a pomegranate that when they can repent, that the fires of hell have no uh, power over them. And the point is it's a miracle Hashem protected them as Bayach. That even though you're talking about wood with gold on top of it and putting fire, Hashem made it. It's a miracle that happened that the wood did not get burnt or impacted by the fire. So what's the unique value of the Ketores that was on the inner altar over any other offering? Because I mentioned very briefly before, where should we be talking about the building of the Mishkan? Uh, sorry, the building of the golden altar. In last week's parasha, that was the building of all of the other vessels, the outer altar and the menorah and the building of the Mishkan. This week's parasha is already about the priests who served in the Mishkan and their clothing and their inauguration. And now we're coming back, oh, by the way, you got to also build the golden altar. So, of course, it could be like a whole class, but in a few minutes, there's a very big difference between the Torah that was offered every day on the inner altar and the carbon the offerings that were offered on the altar, the copper altar outside. What's the difference? The word karvan comes from the word karev, to bring close. So you take an animal, which is a physical, you know, ox, sheep, cow, whatever it is, and you're now transforming it into holiness. You're bringing it close. You kill it, you take the blood, you burn the fats. This is a way of bringing, and it's meant to be representative of us. We are taking our our animal, the animal within us, and we're bringing it close to Hashem. It's a transformative, fiery, smoky process, etc. The Ktores is not the transformation of our animal. The Ktores represents the Yechida, the essence of our soul that is already bound up with Hashem. Again, I'm just sticking to the point here. The Hebrew, the word Ktores, which they're told in the Zohar, comes from the word Katir, um, I've got another word now. Katira, which is to be bound together like a knot. I'll find it in a second. Um, from the word of being bound together, t- tied. When you're tied, it's not that you, when you're bound together, not I'm bringing something close to something else. Rather, um, I don't have the word here. It's katirna. Katirna means to be bound together as one. So the point is that you're binding together, you're becoming bound in the oneness with Hashem by the bringing of the incense, which is why when they brought the other animals and the other offerings, and no one could be there to watch, and no one could see what was going on. But by the bringing of the incense, no one was allowed to be inside the Mishkan when the Kohen, or the Kohen Gadol, it could be a regular Kohen, would come in and bring the incense. No one was allowed to be in the Mishkan at that time. In fact, we're told even the angels weren't present in the Mishkan at the time of the burning of the incense because it represented a oneness of the Jewish people with Hashem that has no comparison. Which is also why the other offerings are brought with animals, the food, our taste, our smell, our, not our, our vision, the four senses of the person. But the Torah represents which dimension of the person, which sense of the person. What is incense? What, what sense? The smell. Smell is the most refined of all of our senses, which is why when a person 
faints. How do you revive a person? You don't touch them. You don't, uh, they, uh, yeah, with, with smelling salts. The smell reaches deep in the person, which represents we have five senses and we have five powers of our soul. The power of smell goes to the deepest dimension of our soul. The part of Hashem, the part of our soul that is one with Hashem that can never be disconnected from Hashem. Even when we sin, even when we're part of them, they're not going to go to 11 different spices now. But even with this animal that's not kosher, like the musk, or even the chalbana, which is a foul-smelling uh, odor. It's all part of the oneness that exists between the yechida, the essence of our soul, with Hashem. And that's why you can't ever sin with the sense of smell. There's no sin with smell. You can sin with your eyes, you can sin with your mouth, you can sin with your hands, you can sin with your ears, but you can't sin with your nose. It's funny that Corona attacks exactly that. The nose. Smell. Yeah. It means something spiritual. That's been talked about. Um, but the point is, this is the essence of the soul. And therefore, in order to differentiate between the carbon and the external aspects of the Mishkan, they're meant to be transformative of the human in his conscious awareness and conscious psyche, and between the pinnacle, I started saying before, we lost the recording, the highest, the ultimate climax of the Mishkan was the bringing of the Torah, which is why, where was the, the golden altar situated? In the smack center of the entire Mishkan, because the core expression of the oneness of Hashem with the Jewish people that was expressed through the Mishkan came specifically through the burning of the incense. And hence that is put at the very end to show that the whole purpose, the whole climax of the Mishkan is in the oneness of our soul that's expressed through this Torah where we're one with Hashem. Okay?